Royal Rundown Podcast. Uh, this is I'm obviously not the voice you're used to hearing first, uh, but hopefully you are used to hearing my voice. This is Jeremy Greco, uh, co-host of the podcast. Unfortunately, Jacob cannot be with us today, so uh, you know, flame him on Twitter uh, if you get the chance. Especially if this ends up being a terrible podcast. Fortunately, I am not doing this alone. I do have some experienced help. I have invited our good friend Greg to join us. Greg, how you doing? I'm great. The inmates are running the asylum. Let's get after yeah. it. Jacob is not around to keep this podcast on the rails. And even when he is around, he can't necessarily stop me from veering this show into unexpected places. I just... <laughs> This morning, Australia got killed again by South Africa on a cricket pitch, and I'm still steaming about that, but I'm oh. not going to make this a cricket podcast today. Don't worry about that. Oh, but I, I, we might have to revisit that because I cricket has always fascinated me from a distance. I'm like, I hear it's kind of like baseball. I know nothing about cricket other than that there are there are bats that are kind of flat, and, and there are there are wickets. And, and you hit balls. I, that's it. That's all I know. Yeah, a couple of years ago, actually, I saw a video from uh, John Boy that was only about 10 minutes, and it was just explaining cricket in baseball terms. And I just watched that, and I was like, okay, this is actually pretty straightforward, actually. This is even a simpler game than baseball, really. Oh, wow. Well. Uh, we'll we'll come back to that later if we Honestly, have time. If, if you're able to understand American football, then you can figure out any sport. Well, considering uh, the shirts that we're both wearing today, I think American football is on our radar and we are recording this Sunday morning before either the baseball or football game. I have uh, I have the baseball game recap today for Royals review. And I'm just wondering, will anyone be watching that game? Will I be watching that game is a good question. Probably uh, at least one person will be. Are you just going to write a recap for the Chiefs game instead? I, you know, I thought about it, but people got really big bad when I wrote recaps about things that were not Royals games. Even when I wrote a Storm Chasers recap at one point during my protest of the team, they were big bad. So I think I don't feel like getting into, uh, I don't, I don't feel like getting flamed myself today. So I'll, I'll probably play it straight. I'll at least try to keep half an eye on the baseball game. While I watch the Chiefs game, but uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. It's a big deal today. They're going for the sweep of the Houston Astros. Imagine that if they actually swept the Houston Astros with the worst team in franchise history. That'd be a treat. It, I, you know, it's to the point where I guess we've entered the point of the season, which I guess I'm glad it's this late in the season where I, despite my best efforts, I do try to keep up with the team, right? Because I, I cover the team for the Royals review and for this podcast. So I try to at least have an idea of what's going on, even if I don't watch every play of every game. And uh, I did not realize they were going for a sweep today. There was a, there was a couple weeks ago when I said they were trying to avoid a sweep and they'd actually split the first two games of a series. So I'm Oops. really glad you reminded me of that. And now I <laughs> cannot embarrass Hell myself yeah. when I write the game thread. Over the past few years, my interest in the team often wanes starting around the like late August, really, which I think in the past was mainly because that's when school would start up and so I'd start to get a lot more busy around that time. But now that I'm no longer in school, uh, it's still the same pattern, but it's just because usually they've like lost 90 games by the time we get to late August. And it's like, OK, this is stupid. And they're going to like probably have a pretty OK September and give me hope going into next year. And then I'm going to come into spring training in 2024 and be like, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe things can go right just for them to go like five and 20 in April. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Um, this year was particularly hard. I, I like you usually lose interest around the all-star break, maybe a little bit later. Um, uh, certainly lose interest by the, the trade deadline because once they've traded, you know, everybody away, it's what am I watching for anymore? But last year, they had all those those young guys come up, so there was a little bit of interesting stuff going on. But this year was just bad. The team was so bad so early that it was it's it's been a real chore to try and uh, and keep up with them. For example, I'm looking at looking at the Royals pitching uh, statistics on FanGraphs. Where where do you th think Chris Bubich? 
who has been hurt almost the entire season. Yes, it looks like 16 innings pitched in three games before he went down. Where where do you think he ranks in Team FWAR for pitchers this year? Team F4 for pitchers, Chris Bubich. Honestly, he's probably fairly high because he's positive at the very least, which is really saying something. Like, So definitely behind Reagans, probably behind Singer just because of workload, probably behind Chapman. He might be like fourth, but I don't think he's that high. So I'm going to go with like sixth. He's actually fifth. Um, I don't, I, I don't, you know what? Chapman's not showing up on this list, so he might be sixth. Um, yeah, but I, I've guess got him. It, I guess it depends on is the player currently in the organization? Does, does that well, I've got this I've got this as starting pitcher. Let me let me change this up. Okay, yeah, he's actually seventh. Um in in the organization. He's fifth as a starter behind, as you mentioned, Cole Reagans with his two point three F war in only ten starts. Which is who and that was not a great start last night. Um, I didn't actually, unfortunately, get to watch the game, so I don't know how much of that was bad luck and how much was not pitching well. But, uh, well, you know. Both, both of his past two outings, it seems like he really just runs out of gas in his last inning. Like, it seems like that's when the damage really comes because, like, we, we saw that start in Toronto last weekend mm-hmm. where just the wild pitches and you know, him getting a spike caught and all that. And that was when the damage came against him. And against Houston – so he started the seventh inning and put a couple of guys on and left the game. And then Colin Snyder gave up a dinger. And so he got runs charged to him that he wasn't on the field for. But still, it's like doing pretty, good through, doing pretty good through six innings. And then things go wrong in that very last inning. He starts to run out of gas. So I don't know. Maybe it's just like a workload thing. Maybe. They'll figure it out, hopefully, possibly. Maybe I'm being too hopeful there. Anyway, 2.28 ERA in 10 starts. Uh, 59.1 innings, like I said, 2.3 F war. Pretty good. I'll take that uh, over the course of a year if you can get it. Uh, Brady Singer comes in number two with a 1.9 F war. Not bad. Uh, all things considered, he has a 4.26 FIP. Then, as you mentioned, Aroldis Chapman coming in uh, at 1.3. Not been nearly as good for the Rangers since the Royals <laughs> traded him. Good move. Ryan Yarbrough coming in hot at number four. He's gone. Uh, 0.7 FWAR, and then Zach Greinke with his 5.39 ERA and a 0.6 FWAR. Uh, oh, and then Carlos Hernandez, somehow 0.5 FWAR, and finally Chris Bubich, also Carlos, at 0.5. Carlos um, Hernandez, the pride and joy of the bullpen with his 5.02 ERA. Golly, I had so much, I, they really should have traded him at the deadline. And I know people are going to be like, Oh no, it doesn't matter. He just sucks. They wouldn't have gotten anything for him, but he was looking really good for a minute there. And teams are always so desperate for pitching at the trade deadline because of injuries and ineffectiveness and blah, 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 blah. I mean, the, the, the Rangers traded, uh, Luis Angel Acuna, I think. Is that, did Luis I get that right? Acuna, yeah. Yeah. Luis Angel. Okay. For, for Max Scherzer, who, you know, is Max Scherzer, but it's, it was a, you know, I guess he did agree to do next year. So maybe it was, a, there's more to it than that. But he's also hurt and injuries have been no uh, stranger to him uh, in his last few years. So, you know, it's just, you could have got something for Carlos Hernandez. And after his performance post trade deadline, I don't know that you could get anything for him anymore. What do you think? I, I don't know what exactly you could get for him. Like he still is like what two, three years of team control. I think he's just now going to yep. be entering his arbitration years. So he's going to start getting more expensive with still like no track record of being good at any point. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm not going to count like the first half of this season and be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was good for a stretch. Not really. He's got problems. Like this stuff is legit for sure, but the, the command is a real issue at times. So I, I don't even know what you can really get for him. I'm not really going to hold my breath on him getting traded. I think he's still going to be around next year. Yeah, and his, he's not even ARB eligible till 2025, actually, and he's not a free agent till 2028. So, and he's 26. They've got some time to see if they can fix whatever happened after the All-Star break and get him back to who he was before the All-Star break, I guess. But uh, I definitely would have already gotten rid of him because, just like you said, that it was a very short kind of period of success after lots of not success. And I feel like with that short period of success, another team would have looked at him and said, well, we can fix him. 
we can keep this going. We can actually make it better. And and now you don't even have that to work on. Um, but that brings us sort of, uh, the, I, my transitions are, my segues are even better than Jacob's. I think you'll agree. Uh, <laughs> to the first picture I actually wanted to talk about today, which is, uh, I've forgotten his name. Suddenly. Tucker Davidson. Uh, no, not <laughs> definitely not Tucker Davidson. Tucker Davidson, uh, I don't know if you saw, I wrote an article yesterday projecting kind of the team who I expect to be on the roster next year. Tucker Davidson, I think, is going to be gone. Fingers crossed on that one, at least. Uh, no, I wanted to talk about Alec Marsh, uh, who's been just a really super interesting guy. I think you'll agree. He's got all these strikeouts, right? Just striking guys out left and right. But he's also walking a bunch of guys and giving up a bunch of home runs. Uh, I, I looked him up and I knew he hadn't been having, you know, an overall good time, but I was very surprised to discover that he's actually the worst on the team in FWAR at negative 0.6. And so I, then I was looking at the splits because there was a little bit, he, he worked as a bulk man again recently. And there was a little like, you know, maybe this will work. Whereas being a starter won't work. Uh, I think David Lesky wrote about that. And uh, he's got a negative 0.8 FWAR as a starter, which means he has a 0.2 FWAR as a reliever, a.k.a. a bulk man. Um, the strikeouts are still there, obviously. Do you think – when you look at that, do you think, man, that's that's sustainable? That's There's some potential there. They just got to use him as a bulk man? Or do you think, oh, man, he's, he's going to have to be a reliever? Or do you think ah, that's probably just a fluke and he's he's a bum and and he's never going to be a, a true big league player? There's certainly potential, especially because he's shown that ability to get strikeouts, which is so important in today's game. It's just it's jarring just how different though the results have been as a starter versus as a bolt guy as a reliever. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle because like his his home run rate as a starter is just absurd. Three point yeah. thirty one home runs per nine <laughs> as a starter. That is unreal and then it's 0.72 as a reliever yeah so like realistically it should probably be somewhere in the middle of those two like his overall rate of 2.2 per nine is still insanely high yeah. and won't play in any role at all but if he can get that down a little bit like i know he still has some strike throwing issues but he definitely has a shot and i think he has like the pitch mix to be a starting pitcher sure even if the, the fastball does leave something to be desired but i like his secondary stuff a lot and so if he can find some way to polish up his command he could play as a starter, although realistically, maybe just like a five and dive kind of guy, as opposed to like a real workhorse. Well, I, I think there's value in five and dive guys in the modern game, especially. But um, I want to go back to what you said about his fastball, because I'd heard and I, I haven't actually looked this up. So shame on me. Uh, but I've heard he actually has a high spin and, and good movement on that fastball. And it's actually a high quality fastball. Is that not the case? I mean, it has good characteristics, but at least whenever I watch, it seems like he doesn't command it very well, and it actually right. does tend to get hit pretty hard. So I, I don't know. Like, he, he definitely has, like, the characteristics to throw a good fastball. I know he had a uh, discussion with David Larilla on Fangraphs earlier this season about his fastball because it's kind of an unconventional right. pitch in terms of its characteristics, but it really hasn't been a particularly effective pitch. Like, I know it hasn't been his worst pitch this year, but – I think there's still room for improvement with it. Cause like I see a fastball that could be a much better pitch than it really is right now. Well, and, and so that, okay. That brings me to another question. He has, I think five, maybe six pitches that he uses on a regular basis now. Cause he just added that sinker is, is he working with too many pitches? Does he need to focus down to uh, the opposite problem of Brady singer, right? Focus down to three or four pitches and just really refine them. Or should he keep working with the five pitches and and just keep going and, and eventually figure it out? I mean, I'm okay with him tinkering. Like, you know, just take a page out of the book of Zach Granke. I think, like, if you could throw six pitches effectively, then have at it. But you're right that maybe he could benefit from focusing a little bit more narrowly. Like, for example, his changeup has been absolutely teed off on this year. Like, that has been his worst pitch. And so... Mm -hmm. Maybe he could start looking for a different weapon to get lefties out. And maybe that's like, maybe he starts using the curveball more lefties, for example. And that sinker has been good for him too in a small sample. So maybe he should start leaning more on that. Although the sinker hasn't really been much this year. I don't know when he started throwing it, but only it 42 recent. times he's thrown it so far. But it's been good in a small sample. Yeah. So um, I, I really like Alec Marsh. Like you said, the strikeouts are there. I love a guy who can strike guys out because I feel like that's, 
I mean, there's a reason FIP is built on this idea of what can the pitcher control. They can't really control whether a ball isn't out. Because softball, soft, <clears throat> excuse me, soft hit balls, you know, turn into hits. Hard hit balls turn into outs. Nobody knows what's going on. I mean, there's to a degree barrels or barrels, et cetera, et cetera. But there's this, you know, if you can control your walks, control your home runs, and get lots of strikeouts, you're usually very successful. And he's in both roles as a starter and as a reliever, he strikes out more than a batter in inning. And you just, you just don't see that all the time. And, and uh, I, I really hope the Royals keep giving him chances because it feels like there's really got to be something there to me. I mean, there's only 11 qualified starters right now that have at least uh, 10 strikeouts per nine on the season. And, the only one of those that's having a bad season is Dylan Cease. So, yeah, being able to miss a lot of bats tends to pretend pretty well. Like, Blake Snell could very well win the National League Cy Young this year while walking over five batters per nine because he strikes out a lot of guys. He keeps the ball in the yard, and batters, like, just do not hit off of him because the stuff is really good, even if he has issues throwing strikes. Yeah, so if he can if he can just bring the walks down or the home runs down, and you already think, I think we both agree that the home runs are – insanely high it's not going to stay that high um he could be very successful is he an ace probably not but can he be an effective starter i or an effective bulk man at the very least maybe the starting does have maybe there's something about starting that really does mess with his mind it makes him throw more dingers i don't know but it seems to me like he could pitch a lot of good innings for a team and with those strikeouts if he could just bring those home runs down and and that's something the Royals don't have a lot of. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm still really, really high on him, and uh, I hope he can succeed. He's, I mean, he's still a guy that you have to give a shot because I just – I can't look over, like, the next few years and envision, like, a rotation of the future for this team, like, given who's currently in the organization. Like, I just don't see a viable rotation, really. Right, exactly. Um I mean, you've got Cole Reagans, you've got Brady Singer, and then question marks because Chris Bubich isn't going to be ready at the start of next year. So do we uh, do we have Brady Singer though? Like I've been on Brady Singer Hill since he got drafted, and I'm reaching the point where I'm like, okay, do we can we count on Brady Singer? He has a 5.51 ERA, and his velo has been down over his last few starts. I, like, the fifth is still good, but he's just this year he's been completely unable to miss bats now. Yeah. And when I was doing his season review last year, when I really dove into the numbers, I was like, this is a weird profile. Like, I really don't know if it can continue working. And this year it hasn't been because, like, last year it was for some reason batters were just continually taking pitches against Brady Singer. Like, they just wouldn't swing at strikes. And so I was like, okay, he's not really missing that many bats in the zone. He's not actually getting that many chases. And so can you just count on getting called strikes consistently? And this year – Hasn't been the case. Like his strikeout rates way down. Yeah, I I more meant he'll be in the rotation than he'll be effective. I don't even know who's going to be in the rotation after that. Okay, well guys. Jordan Jordan Lyles will be. Next. Oh right, Jordan Lyles. Yeah, I forgot about him. Uh, that was more like a traumatic. Like, please forget about this and never think about it again. Brad Keller back at a one year deal. Oh no! Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> We're so back. Uh, anyway, let's talk about, uh, let's talk. I mentioned Max Scherzer earlier and I put in the show notes that I wanted to talk about him. I'm not really sure what I wanted to say, uh, but Max Scherzer, as I mentioned, he's done for the year. He's hurt. The Rangers have had a bunch of pitching problems this year, uh, with Scherzer going down with injury, DeGrom going down with injury. They, they started off so strong. They were leading their division. I don't think they are anymore. Could be wrong. Last I looked, they weren't even in postseason position anymore. Oh, man, that's that's rough. And oh, they, are, they are now, actually. There's a there's kind of a race between Texas, Toronto, and Seattle for that last wildcard spot. But, like, Houston is also only a game up or a half game up on Texas right now. So, like, Seattle or Texas could still win that division. Oh, I'm I'm still pulling for Seattle, but we'll, we'll see, I guess. Um, just the... What is what is the deal with the Rangers? It feels like their pitchers get hurt a lot. Is that well? This was entirely foreseeable. This was totally foreseeable. If you looked at their rotation coming into the season, it was a bunch of guys with injury histories. Like their their rotation coming into the season was Jacob Degrom, who's been constantly hurt over the past few years, Andrew Heaney, 
who has always been hurt for his entire big league career. Nathan Avaldi, who's almost always been hurt for his career. Martin Perez, who was randomly good last year, and I did not think it was going to continue. Jake Odorizzi, who hasn't even thrown a pitch because he's been hurt for the entire year and has been hurt for most of the last few years. And John Gray, who's like been mostly healthy, but he's kind of the exception. And then they bring in Scherzer, who I know he was a workhorse for like a solid decade, but he's also been hurt over the last few years pretty often. So like if you stack up on a bunch of injury prone players, then you can't be that surprised when all of them wind up on the IL. I, you know, I think it, it goes even beyond this year. To, I I was wondering if maybe it was the Rangers have a, a health issue, uh, but maybe it's just they have a scouting issue because I'm thinking of Cole Hamels felt like he was always hurt when he was pitching for the Rangers. Um, and you Darvish seemed to me like he was hurt frequently when pitching for the Dodgers. Uh, do you think you think there's anything to that or, or am I just reading too much into it after a really bad year? No, there could be. The, the training staff that I always give grief to is the Yankees training staff because it seems like every single year their roster is incredibly injured and it's been happening for a long time now. Maybe the Rangers are there too, but I don't know. I just I can't comp any team to that Yankees training staff that I just give so much grief to. What about – okay, so what, what are your feelings on the Royals training staff? I don't think they're, like, exceptionally good or bad, but their handling at times can be weird. Like, Salvador Perez was probably in the game for too long last night before mm-hmm. being removed for concussion symptoms. But I don't, I can't really think of any specific times that they've really mishandled something or, like, years that injuries have really torpedoed the roster that badly. Nothing comes to mind except for, like, maybe some of the Mondesi stuff. But the issues with Mondesi have persisted into his time with Boston, so I don't know if I can really put that on the organization. I, I keep looking at this team and I keep thinking there's there's an issue here. And Mondesi, sure, we, as you mentioned with Salvi, and that's not the first time Salvi's played when we thought he probably shouldn't be. Um, there was the Michael Garcia stuff earlier this year where he got pulled out of a game a couple of times. Um, but then there's also Hunter Dozier uh, back in 2021 who said he was playing hurt all year. Uh, Carlos Santana said he was playing hurt all year. I, maybe it's not the training staff, but it does feel like the Royals have uh, a, a tendency to ask guys to play through pain that maybe they shouldn't be. Is that do you think that's normal for MLB? Am I reading too much into it or is that possibly a problem with the Royals? I mean, this is, we're talking about professional male athletes. There's like the sense of machismo of like, yeah, you go out there every single day. Big leaguers love guys that post. Big leaguers love guys that play every single day. So even if you're banged up to go out there anyway and play through injury, in a lot of ways, I feel like people admire that within the game, even if it's not necessarily healthy or productive for the player. I will say when a guy says, oh, I was playing through injury after the fact, I don't necessarily believe them. Like they could be just like coming up with something because like, I don't know, we've seen this plenty of times. You mentioned Hunter Dozier after I think 2021 when he was like, oh, I was playing hurt all year. He's like, okay, come back healthy next year. Still trash next year yeah. even when he comes back healthy. I remember like after 2015, Omar Infante was saying like, oh, yeah, I was playing hurt. Came back in 2016. Terrible. Still absolutely horrible, even when he's allegedly healthy. So, like, okay, you say you were bad last year because you were playing hurt. You come back healthy, and you're still just as bad, if not worse. So were you hurt really that badly? Like, was it an injury right. that you actually needed to take time off for? Or were you just trying to, like, chalk up poor performance to something out of your control? Uh, I don't know. I can't really say. I, you know, I hadn't actually considered that they might just be making excuses. Uh, that somehow had never occurred to me. But you don't I, hear a guy coming off of a good season being like, "Oh yeah, I was playing through injury." You, you're, you're right about that too. Of course, the the, the corollary to that is that uh, if a guy was playing through injury and had success, there's no need to mention, "Oh yeah, I was playing through injury." It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You don't care. I was playing through injury. Sure, it doesn't matter. I played good anyway. Um, uh, and again, speaking of the Royals front office, uh, Mike Rizzo got an extension over at, uh, Washington. I think you saw, we were going to talk about this last time. That's how it ends up in the show notes, I guess. Uh, and, uh, people, people out there think the nationals are as bad as the Royals, but Mike Rizzo's out here getting an extension. Does that mean that the nationals owner is as bad as John Sherman or (laughs) what, what, what are your thoughts there? I think most would argue that the learners are worse than Josh Sherman. Like the learners are some of the worst owners in all of baseball. Like there is definitely much more high profile than John Sherman is because 
So the Sherman is like relatively new to the ownership circle, right? And the role has been bad right. the whole time. I don't think he's known nationally to the larger baseball world in the way that the learners are, especially because the learners were going to sell. And they traded Juan Soto. Now they decided, oh, actually, no, I don't think we're actually going to sell right now. They're going to hang on to the team instead. So now the Nationals right now, I think you could make a case they're actually in a better situation than the Royals. Like they have some really, really good prospects that they've received recently because of actually doing things like trading away a Juan Soto, which like as terrible as it is to trade away a guy like that, when you can get the sort of value that you can for him, then, you know, I guess it lessens the blow a little bit. And so having a guy like James Wood and now Dylan Cruz in your system, like there is a legitimate future here, but they, they also have their own issues with pitching development. If they haven't developed a pitcher in like 15 years, basically like since like Steven Strasburg, I don't know the last pitcher they developed. And so we'll, we'll see if like Mackenzie Gore, or Josiah Gray or any of those guys work out for them. I know they've been like, okay this year, but we'll see. I think there is like something of a future in Washington. I can at least like see the makings of the next competitive nationals team more clearly than I can see the makings of the next competitive Royals team. So there is that. And I shout out to Mike Rizzo for sticking around. You know, only a Cashman with the Yankees and John Mozellick with St. Louis have been heading their baseball ops departments for longer than Mike Rizzo has. Wow, that's... He's been around for a long time. time. I mean, I knew the name, and I don't know a lot of GM names, so I guess it makes sense that he's been around for a long time. But um, the other thing I think is worth noting is that... Let's see. Since 2012, the Royals have been to the playoffs twice and won the World Series once, right? Right. Since 2012, the Nationals have been to the playoffs five times and they've won the World Series once. Uh, And how many of those times did they lose 100 games? Once. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, I I just don't see that the, the Nationals are as bad of a team as the Royals are. And they won, they lost 107 in 2022. And then the next year they were 65 and 84 or yeah, this year they're 65 and 84, which isn't great, but it's almost a 100 point win loss improvement. Right. Yeah. They're not better. They're not in year six of a rebuild and like going the wrong direction. So credit to the nationals for that. Like it's easy to forget now since like they've been pretty bad over the last few years. They traded Soto and all that, but like, Throughout the 2010s, the Nationals were one of the best teams in all of baseball. Like, they were consistently competing for playoff spots, consistently in the postseason. Like, I know they had a lot of just, like, disasters in the postseason. Like, 2014, they won the most games in the National League, but then they got Madison Bumgarnered. Happens to the best of us. They've had some really good teams just falling short in the playoffs. And they finally did break through in 2019 and actually win the World Series. But, like, the way that they were contending recently wasn't the same as the Royals. The Royals was just, like... Out of nowhere, they go to the World Series twice. With the Nationals, right. it's like they were consistently really good right. until they finally culminated in that World Series title. So the Nationals are like still – I think they're still in that window too. It's like, okay, we won the World Series pretty recently, so we still get a little bit of good graces. But we've, we've well passed that window for the Royals. Yeah, 2019 is a lot more recent than 2015. The other thing since 2012 is that the, uh, the Nationals have won 90 or more games. One, two – three, four, five times, five times they've won 90 more, 90 or more games. How many times have the Royals done it since 2012? One time. In my lifetime, they've won more than 90 games one time. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, it, you know, the Nationals were really bad when they first moved from, from Montreal. And I think that's, that's a lot of what a lot of people's perception of them is still based on is that, you know, they lost a hundred games in 2008 and 2009 um, they lost 93 in 2010. So really early on, they were losing a lot of games, but they've been very good since then. Um, in 2011, they went 80 and 81 and, and they just kind of didn't look back until they won that world series and things kind of fell apart for them in 2020. And then, you know, for the past couple of years. So it's just, uh, anybody who looks at, at the Nationals and says, well, they're just as bad as the Royals. They can't put anything together either, has not been paying attention because they were, like you said, a very good team for a decade. And they look like they're well on their way to coming back when they trade guys like, yeah, it's frustrating. It's upsetting to trade Juan Soto. I've argued actually that trading Juan Soto is an awful move because you end up with less value for your Juan Soto than Juan Soto provided for you. 
the Royals have, you know, they talk about, oh, well, sometimes you're going to lose games to win games. But when other teams are doing that, it's because they traded away all their good players and said, we're going to allow ourselves to lose games to get in prospects so that we can win games later. And the Royals hang on to their really good players and still lose a lot of games and don't have a future to look forward to. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about what the Nationals have in their organization right now. The Royals don't. Uh, the Royals don't have Dylan Cruz in their organization, so that <laughs> that pretty Mitchell. much tells it for me. Like, and I was saying at the time when when Soto was kind of on the trade block for them, it's like there's no fair value here. Like, you're never gonna get a good enough return for a player like Juan Soto, so you just gotta take what you can get. And like, all things considered, I think they did a pretty good job in what they got from San Diego for him. But you were never really going to get full value for a player like that because you can't. You just can't. Like you get, exactly. you get however many prospects back, just hoping that one of them is anything close to what Juan Soto already is. Which maybe James Wood can be that guy. Like I really like James Wood, and they have they have a lot of dudes in their farm system right now. Like Elijah Green was like a potential one-one pick in 2022. Yo-Yo Morales out of Miami. They just drafted this last summer. He's already wait, wait, on the fast his track. Name is Yo-Yo. Uh, Yohandi Morales is his name, but he goes by, or a lot of people call him Yo-Yo Morales. So that, there, there really is a lot to like at the top of the Nationals farm system that we just don't have for the Royals because, like, in the upper levels of the minors right now, we don't have much. We have <laughs> Logan Porter and Nick Lofton. There's not much to look forward to there. Yeah, and like Anthony Veneziano, I guess. Let's go. I, I like Nick Lofton and I like Logan Porter, but they're not Dylan Cruz. They're no, not McKenzie Gore. Um, they're not, uh, James Wood. I think you said his name was, I don't, yeah, I'm not James actually Wood. familiar with him. Huh? James Wood. Yeah. He is the, for, per MLB pipeline, he is the seventh ranked prospect in baseball right now, which means Washington has two of the top seven, according to pipeline. Cause they have Dylan Cruz fourth. Yeah. And, and how many, how many, remind me, refresh my memory. How many of the top seven do the Royals have? I mean, I could just expand that to the top 100 and say that they have zero. Ooh. Yeah, not the same. Not, not the same. Matt Shaw was right there. Matt Shaw was right freaking there in the first round of the draft, and it didn't take him. But we got Blake Mitchell. Like, I, I'm not – I don't necessarily agree with all of Rolls Farm Report's prospect evaluations. We're on the same page. They should have freaking taken Matt Shaw. Like, it was right there. But but we have Blake Mitchell. Yeah, I know. I'm biased. I'm always going to be biased towards the guy that I actually watched play throughout all of spring versus I mean, a random high schooler. That's fair. I'm biased towards Blake Mitchell because I have a, and this is just kind of historically true for me. He's in my video game and I'm always biased to guys who are in my video game. He's in your game. What? what game He's in it. They, when in MLB, the show with the, they did the draft, they released a, they have this mode called diamond dynasty where you can collect a bunch of oh, digital yeah, yeah. player cards and, uh, and then put them in a lineup and play with them. And they, they did a whole bunch of like, you know, best possible future cards for, for all the first round picks. And so they put in a Blake Mitchell card. who's like a really good catcher in the game, but uh, you know, it's, that's, it's, it's the imagination of what he might be in, in five years. It's not who he is now. And, and I played with him and he immediately hit a home run for me. So I'm like, I'm on that Blake Mitchell train, <laughs> but that has nothing to do with reality. No, those prospect cards were always fun because I remember in 2021 when Edward Cabrera was just like the best pitcher of all time, like on Diamond Dynasty. Yeah. And in real life, it's just like, yeah, he's pretty good, whatever. Yeah. Paul Skeens looked really good for a while in the uh, in the MLB, the show, the Diamond Dynasty, but uh, nobody uses him anymore, I, I guess. That was when I, that was how, I, that was actually how I learned he throws over 100 miles an hour because I got the Paul You didn't Skeens learn from card. watching him play? <laughs> no, I, well, I got the, Di- the Diamond Dynasty card and I'm like, he throws 102. What the heck? Are they inflating his numbers to make him good in this game? No, no, he actually throws 100. No, some like poor college kids are actually having to step in there and face oh, 102 man. with like a 90 mile an hour slider to go with it and elite command too. I, I show up to the, to the, the batting cage and i'm like oh only the 70 mile per hour cage is open i don't know guys this is, i might need to sit this one out this is too fast <laughs> in the uh top 19 prospects are MLB pipeline there is only one pitcher right there and that's paul schemes which i think just says so much about like the type of prospect that he is because to me it'd be wild to have a pitcher above dylan cruz 
and Pipeline has that. They have Skeens at three and Dylan Cruz at four, which I just fully disagree with because there's no such thing as a pitching prospect and all that. But right. the fact that they have him this highly ranked when he was just drafted just says so much about like how special of an army is. And uh, thank you to the uh, MLB Draft Lottery for ensuring the Royals could definitely not get their hands on him. Yeah, we're at the, the like the worst team in franchise history. We're not even going to get the number one overall pick for our troubles. It's uh, and next well, year's we draft have a like at it. And next year's draft is not going to be nearly as good as this year's. Of course draft. not. That's how it always goes. Remember, and this is how it is just for Kansas City fans. I remember when the Chiefs finally got the number one overall pick, <laughs> and the best guy available was Eric Fisher. And don't get me wrong, I love fish. I have I have a jersey shirt of of Eric Fisher because I love him that much, but you don't want to tackle for your number one overall pick. You want a quarterback, and there just weren't any in that draft. No, I mean the, the 2013 draft was just not good in general. Like going right. through and looking at like the first round, I was like, wow, most of these guys weren't that good. Like the best player from the first round was probably like DeAndre Hopkins, and he was taken 27th. It's, it's football it, pod. Let's go. We got Travis Kelsey in that draft though. So it all worked out really. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, we could make it a football podcast, but I'm pretending to be no. Jacob today. So I'm going to try and get us back on track. I did want to talk about uh, a couple more things. I have no idea. How long have we been recording even? I, I know, like probably... 30 or 40 minutes. Okay. I thought we'd be done by now. So I guess we're doing pretty good. Oh, there, there's I... a timer on Skype. Yeah, but I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at the show notes. Also, weren't you supposed to be inserting words into this? I don't think you've been doing that. No, those go in the recap. I just put them in the show notes because uh, I needed to put them somewhere. Um, So, right. So the the next thing I wanted to talk about, I am so good at transitions. Just just we're going to fire Jacob and I'm going to take over because I'm so good at transitions. I wanted to talk about how good Nick Lofton has been. And the fact that Matt Duffy is still on this roster, like this was a year of evaluation, right? That's what the Royals have said over and over again. And, and Nick Lofton has been in the minors this whole time. And we could have been evaluating Nick Lofton. And instead we have Matt Duffy. Is there any defense of that? Do you think? No, but like today was my daily reminder that Matt Duffy is on the roster. So thank you for reminding me that Matt Duffy is still in the organization. He doesn't even really play that much. And so like, I can't be that mad about his presence, but like if you're trying to evaluate a guy, you don't want him riding the bench and playing like every three or four games or so, which like if you're replacing Matt Duffy, that's essentially the role that Matt Duffy is serving. And so like, I guess you actually evaluate, you don't necessarily want to do that. And it's just, it's hard to see where to play him, right? Because, like, you're not going to displace Bobby at shortstop, obviously. Right. Michael Garcia seems like he's going to be the guy at third base for the foreseeable future. Let him go out there and see if the bat ever actually wakes up because he's been bad for the past two months. Uh, Michael Massey is going to keep getting run out there at second base. Maybe you have well, Austin compete with Massey for second base. Like, maybe you platoon them. I think that can make some sense. There's just not a clear spot for him. Like, they haven't played him in the outfield, and the outfield's already crowded enough as it is. Mm-hmm. You couldn't play him at first base, but then you're not evaluating Nick Prado. And so, like, there's – it's tricky. Like, there's not enough spots in the lineup to evaluate all the guys that you want to evaluate. I, You know, you said you said Michael Massey and you're going to keep running him out there, but I have noticed it feels like Massey's gotten a lot more days off since Lofton came up. Um, you, Do you think he's in danger of losing his job to Lofton? Should he be in danger of losing his job to Lofton for next year? He should anybody besides Bobby Wood Jr. should be in danger of losing their job because he's the only one that's actually shown. Yes, this is a guy that can start at this position on a good team. Like I'm not sold on anybody else in this roster at all right now. Like even Garcia and a lot of people like Garcia right. and I get it. I'm just I'm not sure he's good enough as a third baseman. Like I don't know exactly. if he's ever going to hit enough to be a starting third baseman. I, I have said repeatedly and I'm going to keep saying it that unless he finds some power. He probably has more value if you train him to a team that could use a shortstop. Because I think his bat plays at shortstop, and I think he could be just as good defensively there. But the Royals already have Bobby Witt at shortstop. There's no room for him there here uh, in Kansas City. So I I think that he might make a lot of sense to be traded this offseason. Um, on the other hand, 
he actually does have a major league bat at a position, <laughs> which is what you can say for a lot of these guys. So uh, maybe you try and finagle things. I've been interested to see that Garcia never did get any playing time at second base. Even while Massey was struggling, they didn't try him over there. Of course, they didn't have anybody to play third. So somebody had to play third, and it might as well be Garcia. But if they could find another third baseman, uh, that might also be another option. Maybe Lofton plays third and Massey plays second. Except that, that uh, uh, Garcia has been so good at third base that that defensive alignment wouldn't make sense either. Caden Wallace is going to displace whoever's playing third base at some point in the next two years anyway. He's my guy for the future. We'll see what Lofton. I know he's been good, but we're still in really small sample size territory. He's only played 10 games. Again, he's been good. I don't know if it's just like Babbitt driven, like the hard hit rates and stuff aren't really that impressive. And like, I don't know that I can fault the Royals for keeping in the minors most of the year. He wasn't exactly like knocking the door down. Like he had a 96 WRC plus in AAA. Like it's not like he was really forcing their hand. That's fair. I, I just, I, I get, and I'm probably a little, this is kind of a trauma response to how much the Royals have played veterans over prospects in the last few years. It has not been as bad this year. Um, and like you said, Matt Duffy is a guy who doesn't play every day. So you're not really wanting to evaluate your best prospects the way that Matt Duffy plays anyway. So uh, there's probably, uh, there's probably something to that. Um, and like you said, he was often wasn't exactly destroying the ball in triple a. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I just wanted to see, I, I'm always, I, as a Royals fan, I think this is true of a lot of Royals fans. I'm always excited for the next guy. Who's the next <laughs> yeah. guy coming? Everybody's excited for Logan Porter right now. He's a 28 year old undrafted catcher who can't catch all that good. He did just hit his first big league home run last night. Congratulations, so nice. Logan Porter. Let's go. This is a uh, Logan Porter pod. Are you, do you think he has a future? As a big league catcher? He's no different than Freddie Fermin for me, except worse defensively. All right. Now, okay. granted, granted, Porter did hit generally pretty well in the minors at every step along the way, but, like, I don't know if he could really catch well enough to stick behind the dish, and I don't know if the bats are going to be good enough to play at first base. And right. First base is kind of crowded anyway. Like, even if Prado is going to just watch out, like, you still have Vinny out there. Right, exactly. Now, will Vinny just have shoulder problems for his entire career? Like, Two big league seasons now, he's had issues with the same shoulder in both of those seasons. So at some well, point, we might need to have a serious discussion about that shoulder. And that was when I, and when they were just calling it shoulder instability, I was like, that's not a medical diagnosis. <laughs> that's a throw your hands up in the air. We have no idea what's going on. And that was when I was starting to get real nervous is like, not only is it a recurring injury, but it's, uh, it's one that nobody knows what it is. Um, but you know, they did give him the surgery and that, that actually goes back to my question of what is the Royal are, are do the Royals have a good, uh, uh, training staff or not? Because he had that injury last year. They said, Oh, just rest it a bit. And then the same injury pops up this year. And I feel like a better training staff would have said, you know, maybe you do need surgery on this. Let's figure this out instead of, ah, just rest it. It'll be fine. You should have hit up Sam Mellinger about that. Maybe he can give you a good evaluation of the Royals training staff. I'm not touching that. With come out with, come out with some hot takes. I need you to write a piece. Like the Royals training staff is terrible. I, have that I, no, I don't know enough to go that far. And you did make the excellent point that maybe players are just making excuses for bad seasons. I, there, there could absolutely be some truth to that. Um, and I know it's not just players. Teams do that too. They're like, oh, he wasn't good last year, but it was because he was hurt. It's fine. Yeah, um, I don't have any Nick Kenny slander. He's still the trainer, right? I actually have no idea who the trainer is right now. Well, I can look at the Royals front office directory. Do you ever like to do that? Just go to the front office directory. And I really try not to do that. Everything. I don't want to know who these guys are. I do that every so often. I, I'm going like, to sit well, here and tell them, say all of them should be fired. I don't want to know who they are. I'm not that person. I don't want to be cruel. Like last year when I did my uh, piece about the uh, kind of our international scouting and how that's kind of been faring poorly over the last decade or so, I had to figure out like, okay, who are the people that are responsible for this? So I can go on to their uh, front office directory and be like, okay, yeah, this is their uh, Pacific Rim coordinator. Like, oh, this is their Latin American scout, all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting. Alan de San Miguel and Parker Morin are their bullpen catchers. Remember those guys? Yeah, I remember Parker Morin. Yep. 
a good future as a uh, a bullpen catcher. That'd be cool to be a bullpen hey, catcher. Seems like a I, great job. You know, I would take being a bullpen catcher. I think that that is that is a career. I think very similar to the backup uh, quarterback. You can get paid a decent amount of money, show up on a field, be part of a major league franchise, and, and get some respect from your teammates. And nobody. None of the fans know who you are. None of them want to yell at you. I mean, even among the coaches, nobody wants to yell at you because, hey, you're the bullpen catcher. You're fine. You're like, like a backup quarterback, except you have literally no chance of having to enter a game. Well, yeah, exactly. And so that's even better, honestly, because a backup quarterback goes in the game and suddenly everybody hates him after they loved him so much, right? They have, Unless uh, your name is have, Chad Hetty. They have a listing here for a batting practice pitcher, Miguel Garcia. I guess is their batting practice pitcher. I thought it would just be like a random coach. Like I didn't yeah, think they had I, a guy specifically the, for that. Specialized guy for that, but that's cool, like, I guess. Harder than it looks. I know from experience, I am horrible at throwing BEP. Like I have such a hard time <laughs> just laying it in there. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. I did have one more guy I wanted to talk about today before we we call this a podcast. Uh, I wanted to talk about Bubba Thompson. Uh, Bubba Thompson has. Uh, he, he was a guy that the Royals got from the Rangers, and I, I think this is interesting. It's, the Royals made a lot of transactions with the Rangers this year after Dayton Moore showed up. Uh, got Cole Reagans, got Roni Cabrera, got uh, Bubba Thompson, got Taylor Hearn. Well, it, Taylor Hearn wasn't a Rangers interaction, yeah. but uh, he's also the worst out of those those that group. So is Dayton Moore funneling talent to the Kansas City Royals? It's a question that I have no. for you right now. No, you this, don't think Bubba so? Thompson, Bubba Thompson was a waiver claim, so no. But maybe he told the Royals, "Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna put him on waivers. Go get him. He's he's better than than anybody thinks he is. Go get him." Yeah, sure. I I'm not really gonna buy into that. But when when Max sent out the numbers for the Royals review site for the month of August, I thought it was really funny. When the 15th most viewed article from the month was the piece I put when Bubba Thompson was claimed off of waivers, like. <laughs> Why is a waiver claim the 15th most viewed article of this month? I, like what? Who knows? I mean, the, the, the page view stats can be really wonky sometimes. Um, you know that some of us are, I don't, I may be the only one who still does this, but when I first signed up with Royals Review, everybody prefaced their game threads with the Royal, num, uh, excuse me, the Roman numerals of whatever game it was of the season, right? And so I got the 30th game of the season. <laughs> and I, so I put game thread XXX. Uh, and that, to this day, gets a lot of clicks. Uh, oh, yeah. Because apparently people are just out there searching XXX and like, mm, that looks promising. Normal stuff. <laughs> but uh, anyway, back to Bubba Thompson. Um he has since he's joined the Royals, a lot of his numbers have been very similar to what they were uh, in the Texas minor league system. But one thing I've noticed is different is that his ISO has doubled. Um, so it really seems like he's found his power stroke. And of course, speed doesn't slump, as they say. He still has that going for him. I predicted yesterday in my way too early prediction of the Royals roster next year that he would be. He would start the year on the big league team, despite their crowded outfield. Uh, any 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 thoughts there? Any anything you want to add to that? He has one extra base hit in his past eight games and hasn't homered since September fifth. But why yeah. why you gotta why why just why? I don't think we need to add another bad outfielder to our already <sighs> bad outfield. Like <laughs> uh. something something evaluation. We already have Drew Waters, Kyle Isbell, MJ Melendez, Nelson Velasquez, and I guess Edward Olivares is still the organization too, even though he's become like everybody's whipping boy, it seems like, for being around. That's a lot of outfielders right there, and maybe all of them are bad, but I don't see the appeal of adding a sixth outfielder that's also bad. All right. I am not right. a Bubba Thompson believer. I think you might I want to do that. I want to do a lightning round with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you oh, guys I'm names. scared of lightning. Well, you're ready Good to die. Uh, lightning round. I'm going to give you guys name. You tell me, uh, yeah, just, just, you know, no explanations. You just tell me 
will he start the year on the the 2024 MLB Royals roster? Okay. The 26-man roster? 26-man roster. All right. Ready? Brady Singer. Yes. Kyle Isbell. Yes. Vinny Pasquitino. Yes. Ready for me? No. Alec Marsh. Yes. Uh, Stephen Cruz. Yes, for sure. I like Stephen Cruz. Uh, Dylan Coleman. No. Edward Olivares. No. Matt Beatty. No. Nyron Blanco. No. Salvador Perez. That's a guy I forgot about in the crowded outfield. Also Blanco. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Salvador's still going to be around. All right. Uh, Bobby Wood Jr. No, he's got. I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. It's interesting. MJ Melendez. All right. I'll finish. This is the last one. MJ Melendez. Yeah. I think he's still around. All right. So you you don't think any of those guys are getting traded that might get traded? They're all going to be just, back. I don't know. I feel like anybody, any of those guys he might be trading, you're selling low on. And I just don't know if Piccolo is going to want to like move MJ Melendez at the nadir of his value, which would be like after two seasons of Big not words. hitting and not playing in a good position. It's only five letters. That's a pretty small word. But <laughs> one of my favorite. I want to bring this up too. I might have brought this up last time I was on. I don't understand the let's trade Salvi right now discourse. Like uh-huh. I, I don't understand what people think Salvi's trade value is right now. Like, He's been a negative war player. He's going to be 34 next year with a ton of mileage on his body. He is not catching increasingly anymore, playing a lot more first base. Again, having his worst offensive season, like maybe of his career. And he's getting paid like 20 something million over the next two years after this one. Why do people think he has a lot of trade value? Like you're not getting anything. I I have two thoughts about Salvador Perez. Two, two ways he could be traded to me. You trade him for salary relief, you don't get anything back. You get like a lottery ticket or two, but you get salary relief. And somebody will take him for his quote unquote leadership, his quote unquote veteran presence. Um, so, and they'll take the salary and and the Royals will get nothing back. Um, I guess they're fortunate that they wouldn't have to trade a prospect to do that salary dump, I don't think, because uh, they don't have any prospects to add to that. Um the other thing that I think you could do, and this would be very counter to how the Royals were under date more, and I don't know if Piccolo, Piccolo would do it. I cannot pronounce his name. Uh, I don't know if Piccolo would do it. But I think if you ate most or all of Salvi's salary, you could get a decent, not great prospect back for him. Um, and if they could pull off what they did with uh, Cole Reagans, where a triumph of scouting slash development takes a guy that a team is kind of soured on and you get him for Salvador Perez after you eat all of his salary, um, then that guy, you, maybe you turn him into something else to fit in your rotation. I don't know. Those are the only two ways I could see them trading him. They're certainly not trading Salvador Perez and his salary and getting anything of value back. I just have such a hard time seeing Salvador Perez getting traded for like as a salary dump move while they're trying to sell the city on a new stadium. Well, I I don't think that's at all good optics to trade away the face of your franchise for salary relief while you're trying to ask for money. You're not wrong. On the other hand, they announced this whole stadium thing last year and then promptly did nothing in free agency except Jordan Lyles, Ryan Yarbrough, and Aroldis Chapman. Um, not exactly inspiring moves as positively as the Aroldis Chapman and actually even Ryan Yarbrough deals have turned out to be. Um, I, I, I'm just not convinced, and, and I've written extensively about the fact that I don't think the Royals are handling the stadium situation particularly well at all. Um, that's what we're hearing from basically everyone is that the Royals keep saying, well, no one's waiting on us, blah, blah, blah. Look at these pretty pictures. We're going to do economic impact. And everyone says, what economic impact? You haven't even picked a site. We are waiting on you. 
what is going on? So I the the whole thing about the Royals getting the new stadium has been not well done at all to me. So I I don't look at a scenario where I say, well, this would be a bad idea while you're trying to get a new stadium built. And and let's be clear, they're not trying to get a new stadium built. They're trying to get real estate development rights is what they're trying to get. The stadium is secondary to that. I truly believe that. That they, if they could get the, if if the Kansas City came to them and said to them, or Jackson County came to them and said to them, listen, we're not going to give you a new stadium, but we will give you a sector of, we'll give you an equivalent amount of land to develop real estate on. They would take that in a heartbeat. Baseball teams aren't in the is business of baseball anymore. They're all becoming nope. real estate developers, really. That like every baseball ownership group is just becoming a real estate development LLC. Exactly. I, and what's I like this, this is my new thing that I'm just going to be really fucking annoying on. Oh, I just did a swear. Sorry, you could beat that out. Uh, <laughs> this is my new thing of me being really annoying about something is about how professional sports stadiums is a racket. And like, no matter what, it's going to happen. Like the Royals are going to get their ballpark in their ballpark district. Yep. It's going to happen. Like even Mayor Quentin Lucas is paying lip service previously. Like, oh, the Royals need a new stadium. Like I need a new Maserati. He's going to be for it. They're, they always yeah, end mean, up being for it. Like yeah. city leaders, state leaders, they might pay lip service to, oh, this is actually bad. They might ask tough questions to Dave Cavill when he's trying to sell the city of Las Vegas and the Oakland A's. But they always still vote in favor of it anyway. It's still going to happen because no municipal leader wants to be the team, the person that let the team leave. And so they're going to vote right. in favor of it. And they get, I mean, they, get, they get money from it, too. Yeah. So that in Los Angeles with the Angels, right? Um. They're, uh, they got caught, but just because these other guys aren't getting caught doesn't mean they're not getting kickbacks. Yeah, uh, that was a, that was a fun story. Did you ever look into that? The the former mayor of Anaheim, Harry Sadu, and his dealings with the Angels. He was I, facing charges from the FAA in relation to his purchase of a helicopter that was probably with the money that was given to him by the Angels. Oh, my gosh. I didn't look that far into it. My goodness. <laughs> it was amazing. He's, he's facing, like, five federal charges now. Ah. Smart guy. Great. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's there was this per, prevailing idea that baseball teams used to be uh, there used to be this idea, at least that baseball teams were a hobby for rich people that they wanted to win more than they because when you have a hobby, you don't necessarily try to profit off of it. Right. Like I play video games. I'm not trying to make money off of playing video games. I spend money on video games. I understand that video games are going to be a net loss for me monetarily, but the joy they bring me is worth it. Um, and it used to be this idea. And I don't know that it was ever true, but there used to be this idea that that was what baseball teams were for MLB owners were an opportunity to have fun, a hobby. And yeah, you might lose money. You might make money. Who knows? But you're the, the whole point was to win. And I think the veneer has been lifted on that. I don't think anyone un believes that anymore. That's I think that's why there's no baseball movies getting made anymore. Um, I don't know if you were here a couple of years ago when I spent an entire offseason basically reviewing baseball movies. Mm -hmm. They haven't made a baseball movie uh, in a decade or, I mean, they, they're random baseball movies about individual players, but there's no movies about teams. There's no movies about winning the championship. There's about players and their struggles or, you know, individual aspects of, of baseball. And it's really just kind of a, a vehicle for a different kind of story. There's no just like, yeah, the team wants to win a championship and they're the underdogs and something is going to happen to help them figure it out because that's not what teams are anymore. Yeah, no, baseball movies peaked in like the late 80s and early 90s when everybody's just like, hey, we need Kevin Costner to star in our movie about <laughs> baseball. And so they always did that. I don't think, like the last great baseball movie I can think of was 42. And that was like not even that recent. Also, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. But yeah, yeah it, there hasn't really been a great one since then that I can think of. I, I loved 42. But again, that wasn't about a team. Um, Trying to I mean, win it was a biopic. Kind of, yeah. It was about it was about the racial struggles of of Jackie Robinson. Um, and it, just a tremendous performance from Chadwick Boseman, who uh, rest in peace. He was tremendous, and he will absolutely be missed. I think Trouble um, with the Curve is also pretty new, and that's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it's it's so bad. bad. It is bad. It is so. 
Uh, anyway, let's let's wrap this up. We've been here a lot longer than I thought we were going to be. Good job, Austin. Uh, we actually stayed on topic for the most part. We did. Uh, it's amazing what happens when I have to actually pay attention instead of just randomly doing whatever the heck I feel like. Just saying whatever comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, so do, you, do, you, do we want to do Royals reviews today? Do you have a review for us? Yeah, I've got a review. I'll start so you can come up with something. I yeah, know, please uh, do. I know Preston was on fairly recently and talked about Starfield. And I've also been playing it. I did not pre-order it because I don't pre-order anything because it's Legit. a scam. I do have Game Pass, though, so I didn't actually have to pay for the game. So I got to play it when it did Legit. drop. I will say it is very definitively a Bethesda game. And if you've played Bethesda games before, <laughs> you know what that means. Like, yes. if you've played Skyrim and Fallout 4, it has that exact feel, even if it's, like, space exploration and all that. The exploration aspect is super fun. I just love going to random planets and just looking around and surveying everything and finding, like, the new animals and plants and all that. I've been trying to find the planet Pandora. have not been able to do that yet. I'm still searching for the Navi. Uh, Don't know if that's actually going to happen because I don't think Avatar is actually incorporated into Starfield. But I can hold my breath anyway. It's a it's a pretty good game. Like, there's there's issues. I had issues with Skyrim where I feel like it was very – wide but there was no depth to it at all like none of the characters felt like they mattered or anything like that the characters are better in starfield but there's there's something missing like i don't know if you if you've ever played the outer worlds but i feel like that's a good comp for that game and the outer worlds just had a certain charm that starfield really doesn't have so it's a fun enough game if you enjoy the bethesda sort of style of game then you'll you'll probably like it it's a good time yeah, uh, I have avoided both because I do not have an Xbox and because I do not like Bethesda games. Um, they give me that Uncanny Valley vibe. <laughs> but I, I'm super happy for everybody else who's enjoying it. I'm super glad it's on uh, Game Pass so everybody can enjoy it, like you said. I also absolutely pre-order things. I believe you when you say it's a scam. I know it. But how else am I supposed to get 18 inches of Venom to enjoy? Hell yeah. Did you, been, did you I've, see that? No, that? I have no idea what that is. Okay, so uh, when they announced the the pre-order, the collector's edition of Spider-Man 2 for PlayStation, part of that collector's edition is an 18-inch figure of Venom with both of the <laughs> Spider-Men flying around him trying to fight him. And they advertised it on Twitter by saying... Get your collector's edition and get 18 inches of Venom to enjoy. <laughs> oh, that's so, Yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting my 18 inches of Venom. I pre-ordered Final Fantasy 16 to get that, uh, that amazing figure of Ifrit and Phoenix fighting each other. Um, there's some really cool figures out there. I did miss out on the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which came with a lovely uh, 18 inches of Sephiroth to enjoy. Um so it's it is what it is. I I fully give in to the scam. I accept it. I understand that that's wrong. <laughs> Unbelievable. Me, You're perpetuating I, the scam. Yeah, I'm. I am. I am the problem. It's me. Uh, the last games that I pre-ordered were No Man's Sky and PGA Tour 2K21. Okay, they were well, both really bad. So yeah, now I've never pre-ordered again. Pre-order no Man's Sky. I see <laughs> why you don't want to pre-order anymore. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, all right, so let me just go ahead and get my Royals review in here. I watched yesterday a movie that I have not heard anyone talking about. I went to, I have a cinephile friend, and I went to him and I said, I want a light action movie, relatively new. What do I want to watch? He said to me, watch Polite Society. Uh, And I was like, all right, and I watched it, and I adored it. It was terrific. It is about uh, a young woman uh, I think she's in high school. Yeah, she's in high school who wants to grow up to become a stunt woman. Um, and she she's going to this private school. Her sister is in college for or going to art school. But they're the only two that believe in each other. And, they're you know, their family are like, oh, you, this is all ridiculous. You should be going and becoming a doctor or blah, 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 blah. And it's just a fun little movie. Um, oh, and her sister gets kidnapped. Uh, by the, this guy who wants to marry her and, and do married stuff with her, I guess. I don't know. Um, get, and so she's she's got to put her stunt training kind of to the test. But um, it's a really charming, silly little movie. Um, and it's on Peacock. So if you all have Peacock out there, no additional cost to you. You can go watch that. 
Um, it's just a lot of fun. I hope more people will watch it. It was a really, really cute, uh, really just kind of lighthearted action movie. I know everyone out here is like John Wick, and I'm like, yeah, John Wick, sure, but I, I don't want, I don't want that much. Like, I don't want to be sad when I'm watching action movies. I just want to watch explosions and people kick people in the face and just like laugh about it, you know? Yeah, Bullet Train was a pretty fun one like that that I enjoyed. It was kind of like a lighter action movie. You know, he mentioned Bullet Train too. Maybe I should check that out. I haven't. Yeah, Bullet, haven't Bullet Train's a fun one. Yeah, you should definitely watch that. It's on uh, Netflix, I think. All right, I I'll put it on my list. Uh, anyway, that is going to do it for us today. Uh, where where can we find you on social media, Greg? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Greg Not Craig. That is Craig spelled C R E G. You can also check out my other podcast, Bat Flips and Infield Shifts. You can check it out wherever you're listening to this. Hey, excellent. Uh, definitely go do that. Of course, you can find me at Hakaius, H-O-K-I-U-S. Um, you can, I, I don't have Jacob's Twitter uh, memorized. I should probably fix that. Uh, well, it used to be J. Mill the Ham, but I don't know what it is anymore. It. Yeah, Yeah. now it's Jacob Milham, M-I-L-H-A-M-K-C. Uh, Jacob Milham KC, you can find him. And, of course, you can follow the podcast at Royal Rundown Pod on Twitter. We've got a lovely link tree. We've got a TikTok where I have to put some stuff up there. Uh, we got, I came up with a really great meme, Michael Massey's home runs. Uh, I'm going to embed one in my game thread when I write it here in a few minutes. That's nice. about uh, what's his face that's pitching today, whose name I have apparently forgotten again for the second time in this episode. Uh, Jordan Lyles, that's, that's his name. Uh, but, uh, and of course, you can always check us out at Royals Review, where both Greg and I write, and Jacob occasionally contributes. Uh, we're, we're on Twitter, we're on the dot com, as Jacob would say. Just we, uh, Like I said, the link tree, which I think is part of this, the show notes on this or whatever, uh, you, you can find that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to call it. We're going to be done. I'm going to stop talking. You know uh, how to wrap the podcast. Yeah, I'm, I told Jacob, I'm so bad at just stopping talking. I cannot do it. Uh, but I'm gonna, I'm, we're gonna stop. I'm gonna say, go Royals. Well, peace.